First Church Charlotte. Praise the Lord, everybody. Has God been good to anybody? Is it just me or has God brought you from a mighty long way? Has God blessed anybody here today? Has he been a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Is he the fairest of 10,000 to your soul? The lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. There's no one like Jesus. Put your hands together one more time. Give God a hand clap of praise and worship right now. We bless you, oh God. We bless you, oh God. Amen, amen, amen. It's been our honor and privilege to have uh, Melanie Elms, my sister-in-law, uh, from far down south Florida. Her and her husband, my brother, are building a great church down there. It's a powerful church, anointed church. And she and my wife are very similar. They both build the church and they just let their husbands preach. And so that's what's going on there. Uh, Melanie, I went all around the church and while you were singing, I told people that I had taught you how to sing. And I just want you to know not one person believed it. Not a single person here bought it. But we are honored to have worship leaders come in and lead us. And uh, as many of you know, Pastor Melek's transitioned to uh, Myrtle Beach to help his brother-in-law and sister uh, found that church there. And we are connected to that church. It's in many ways a sister church to us. And um, I'm honored to have them call me their pastor. And so it's not him really leaving. It's him kind of transitioning. And he'll be back uh, every month to lead worship. Also, I have a great negotiator. I pushed hard. And we've got her, his sister, Nicole, coming in. Uh, once a month. And then on top of that, all the people who I personally have trained in music and teaching, like my family, like uh, my sister-in-law and all her amazingly talented children, we're going to bring all of them in. And one of these days, James is going to let me lead right here at First Church. And when that happens, everybody's getting the Holy Spirit. That's all I have to say. Everybody. That includes you. All right. Let me not talk too long. Uh, let me say thank you to Dr. Dr. Obi for connecting us with the um, tremendous event that's here. Um, I asked Dr. Obi if there's anything I could test for, and she said maybe I could test for bad attitudes. <laughs> I told her I was highly qualified in bad attitudes. No, I'm just teasing. We're just cutting up. Glad to have you. All right, Philippians 4, we're going to read at verse number 7. Uh, my title uh, today is Worship and the Pursuit of Happiness. You guys know how we're staggering our services, and you are hearing what I preached two weeks ago in the 9 a.m., uh, and the 9 a.m. heard the new one in the set, and it's working out well for me. It's a, I know it's a selfish thing to do, but it's more fun to preach it when it's like just fresh. You don't know where it's, where it's going to go, and I, am, I, I love that feel, and um, so thank you for indulging me and allowing me to do that. Uh, rather than just preaching the same sermon three times in a row, which works for some people, but for whatever reason, I guess maybe my wife doesn't pray enough or something. I don't know. It just doesn't really work. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I offended the front row over here. She's like, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> All right. Philippians 4, verse number 7. If you do these things, tap your neighbor on the elbow. Say, if you do these things. If you do these things. If you do these things, you will experience God's peace. If you do these things, 
you will. Oh, well, they didn't sing my song today. I didn't like the way the preacher preached. They stole my parking spot. They stole my chair. If you do these things, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. Somebody say yes. His peace will keep your thoughts quiet and your heart at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. Uh, we are created to be worshipers. Can I have a big amen? Part of your formative purpose is, is worship. Uh, there's no way to get around this. You can't learn enough Bible where this doesn't apply to you. You can't be in enough church formal roles where this doesn't apply to you. You can't serve God so many thousand years and then it no longer applies to you. You were created. Somebody say, I was created to be a worshiper. When I come to church and I don't make it all the way to worship, in other words, I feel it in my heart without deception in my mind. Spirit, small s spirit, and truth. I've given up trying to deceive myself for God. I'm absolutely submitted, absolutely authentic. Come on, Not worried about if you like my shoes or worried about if you like my hair. Absolutely submitted, absolutely authentic. That's worship. If you come to church on Sunday and you don't touch that, you are failing in part of your created purpose. Yes. If we ever have a service where you just observed, in other words, church was an event, we failed. Is that okay? Is that all right? I mean, I'm, I'm not being ugly. I'm telling you, we have failed. We were created to do this. Lucifer and all the angels aligned with him lost their role. And God said, if these hold their peace... <laughs> Yeah, the same idea that if we don't, the rocks will. If they won't, the people will. And so when we come in the house of the Lord, it's not enough to observe. We've missed our created purpose if we do that. One of the reasons why at the end of the service, we bring the band back up, we bring the singers back up, and we push hard for worship to get to that point of worship. Because if we ever leave here without touching that place of worship, uh, we have failed. We are created for the glory and majesty of God. And I am here to exalt your holy, precious name. I am here to lay aside every distraction in my life. I'm laying down everything that worries me. I'm setting aside my to-do list. I'm forgetting about who said what, when, about me and what I they thought. I am here to worship you. And so with everything within me, I lay aside the junk in my life and I say, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. I do what Lucifer and his choir refused to do. I exalt your holy name. My body may not feel perfect, but I am here to worship. I may have trouble in my family, but I am here to worship. There is none like you, oh God, no, not one. Somebody give him a shout of praise in this house here today. The absolute worst thing we can do is come into a heart of the judger in a place where we created to be the source of worship to Almighty God. And so that's why we encourage you to, I'm off the reservation here. Let me, let me keep going. Focus on what God is doing in you, for you, and through you, and lift up a shout of praise unto God every time you come into the house of the Lord. And can some church folks say amen? Amen. 
Uh, we all were created to be worshipers. Now, we don't experience that in our flesh. What we experience in our flesh is the pursuit of happiness. The founders of our nation did a really good job of coming up with a phrase that would uh, encapsulate uh, the, what it feels like to be an imperfect human person, um, what it feels like to be a flawed, fallen human person with infinite desires, but limited resources. Um, and what does it feel like? It feels like the pursuit of happiness. I don't know what it is, but I assume I will know it when I find it. And so we search and we search and we say, if I had that car, that would be it. And then we get the car and we realize that the payment lasted longer than the happiness. And um, if I had that house, and then we get the house and we sign a 9% mortgage interest. They're trying to kill some people nowadays, y'all. And uh, you realize that the interest was greater than the, the house. And uh, you have less interest in the house as you have more interest in the money. And uh, on and on you go. It feels like the pursuit of happiness. It does not feel like I was created to be a worshiper. It feels like the pursuit of happiness. And if we think about things carnally, it will only ever feel like the pursuit of happiness. Me, me, me. What about me? What have you done for me lately? What can I get out of this? What are you going to give me? What is in it for me? The pursuit of happiness, the elevation of me. This is what it feels like. It does not feel like I was created to be a worshiper. But the very... Uh, formation of your heart will even so seep through and you will begin to worship things when you want them to do for you what only God could do for you. And now you have an idol problem in your life. I have an idol problem in my life. And now I think if I had enough money in the bank, if I had a big enough company, if I had successful enough career, then, 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 then uh, me, 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 more me, money and me, we do agree. <laughs> I thought I'd have got a bigger amen on that one. I mean, that's a message everybody can get behind right there. <laughs> and so <laughs> uh, we feel it as the pursuit of happiness. We don't feel it as a worshiper. And so what we do is we end up worshiping ideals because even though we serve self, it does not stop us thinking our best self will be in something other. And so we come up with celebrities that we adore and we come up with hobbies that we give our life to and we come up with political parties that we think their plan represents our best life. We come up with figures, celebrities, politicians, on and on it goes. And that is what it takes. And it doesn't feel like worship, but because we were created to be a worshiper, we experience all these things as the pursuit of something outside me, the pursuit of something beyond me. There's a reason why the founders put pursuit next to happiness, because that is what it is. It's a pursuit of something other. Nobody is happy only inside themselves. You're a worshiper. I can take you to the club and you'll be doing this. I can take you to Wall Street Journal and you'll be doing this. Let me do that different. I can take you to the club and you'll be doing this. Hey. <laughs> hey. All right, moving along in a mostly religious manner here. We are always looking. Why? It's in our heart. It feels like the pursuit of something. But the real reality is we were created to be a worshiper. And if you do not, at some point in your life, come to understand that you were created to connect with something beyond you yes. and something greater than you, you will always be left 
with the feeling that the joke was on you. You never had a chance to be whole. I was listening to an atheist debate recently, and he said, I don't believe in God, but let me tell you what I believe in. I believe in the God-shaped hole inside of us. And I'm shouting at the YouTube screen. I'm like, oh, Let me tell you something else. Famous scientific study. They take people, they put them in a room, and they say, you're going to sit in this room. They're only going to leave them in there 15 minutes, but they don't know how long they're going to be in there. They sit in this room. You just have to sit quietly with your thoughts, or you can shock yourself with a stun gun. True, famous, scientific experiment. You can can reach it. Google it. Not now. Thank you very much. Um, And so (laughs) people... 50, a little bit over 50% of people cannot sit quietly in a room for 15 minutes with their own thoughts. They have to feel the emptiness with something, even if it's painful. You're a worshiper. It just feels like the pursuit of happiness. They realize such a need in themselves, such a hole, that within 15 minutes of sitting with their own thoughts, they push the button on the stun gun wired to the chair to give themselves a shock rather than to sit there quietly in the echoing halls of their own emptiness. You were created to do something. And it's always beyond you. And it's always outside of you. And until you learn to fill it with worship of something worthy of worship. How did Jesus teach us to pray? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Not just something to worship, but something you know way down in the guts of yourself that is worthy of worship. Why do you think it's such a shock to society when some celebrity has a tragedy happen? They get sick or they have some tra- some some bad news come out about them or they do something dumb or they, they embarrass themselves. It's as though all this society, all of these people that had their dreams, their idealized life in them, all recoil because it's not enough to fill yourself with something. It needs to be worthy of it. So let me say it again, my brothers and my sisters, you were created to be a worshiper. And if I convince you of nothing else today, I want to convince you to learn how to feel the quiet places of your life with the the, the promises of God, the presence of God, the joy of the Lord. I will never be enough for me. I am an empty vessel and I want to fill my heart with you, oh God. Let's take a worship break right now all across the house. Oh, Lord Jesus, we praise you for your goodness. You alone are beautiful. You alone are lovely. You alone are all things perfect. Every good and perfect gift comes from your hand to our heart. And we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. We have to be full with something. So let's talk about religious people. Um, I wish I could tell you that being religious is the same thing as being a worshiper. Um, but I have, in many years of my life, I've lived as a religious person, but I had lost the commitment to worship within my own heart. And so what do religious people do when they've lost the commitment to worship? Are you ready for this? They worry. Yeah. 
because you must be filled with something. And if you can't trust that God's going to take care of it, you have to come up with a plan as soon as possible. Religious people love to worry. We shout about trusting God on Sunday and wake up at 4.15 a.m. on Monday morning worrying because uh, we enjoyed the praise, but you know, we don't know that God's going to be working. And so we love, let me start with confession. This preacher, I'm really just preaching to myself today and hitting you guys by accident. I love to worry. I praise God and I think he can do it. And then I go home and worry that he isn't going to do it. And therefore, um, I don't really need God as much as he needs me. And so I need to do it since I'm not sure he will. Maybe God doesn't even know there's a problem down here. Y'all are, I want to compliment you guys for to be being preached at this direct. Y'all are sure saying amen. Uh, most of the time it gets dead quiet around here. You're like, oh, the preacher's doing that good now. Not to die. You're like, yes, that's me, my God, that's me. Let's start a prayer line right here. Um, I love to worry. So let me give you a full disclosure. Um, uh, I preached this message two, uh, three, uh, two Sundays ago here in the 9 a.m. service. Um, and then I uh, was preaching in Louisiana this past Sunday at an event there. And I struggled and struggled uh, for, with what to preach. And finally, I just felt like I would just preach what that had been in my spirit recently. And this is what had been in my spirit. So I preached it a second time in Louisiana. Same message, telling myself I need to be a worshiper. Telling myself worry is negative faith or faith for the wrong things or not trusting God's character. Yes. or living as though God is blind and deaf like an idol that cannot see or hear. I've preached it three weeks in a row, and today is the third time I am preaching it in three weeks. You know why? Because I need to hear it again. Yes. <laughs> True confessions. This is so you'll have something bad to say about me over lunch. I've woke up every night the past week in the middle of the night worried about something. And I laid there in the darkness and repented for my worry and still couldn't go back to sleep. Lay there repenting for the fact that I didn't trust that God had it in control and still couldn't go back to sleep. And every night this week, still got up at four in the morning, went into my little uh, cell that my wife locks me into and she put a little sign over it says office. And I got locked into my cell and I started churning out the work that is uh, my daily bread, which I'm honored to do. Why? I can repent over the fact that I'm worried, but I can't fix the worry because there is an emptiness in me, and if I don't recognize it, it will be filled with worry. So let me tell you all the ways I have tried and failed so you can learn through my failures. Number one, I've told myself not to worry. I want you to write this down. That doesn't work. <laughs> Telling myself not to worry doesn't work. It doesn't work. Tap your neighbor on the elbow and say, it doesn't work. Telling yourself not to worry doesn't work. <laughs> It doesn't work. I'm going to tell you why it doesn't work. Don't think about blue elephants. I'm trying to tell you why worry doesn't work. Don't think about blue elephants. Stop thinking about blue elephants. And you're like, you're the one obsessed with blue elephants. Um, a negative doesn't work. I cannot empty myself of worry without filling my soul with something. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. 
I can't live out a negative. I can only live out a positive. I can't live out a don't worry. I have to live out I am a worshiper. I don't fight worry in my life by telling myself to stop. I fight worry by filling the space that worry lives with something else that brings life and hope to the circumstances of my life. And so I begin to tell myself this, and I want all of you folks that have been serving God so long that your guardian angel asks you for spiritual advice. You've been in church so long, you have a PhD in worry. You've, you, you, you know who you are, and uh, some of you even admit who you are. I want to say it like this. The sign of worry in my life is a sign that I'm failing at worship. Because worry in the spiritual realm is self-defeating behavior. Worry in the spiritual realm is self-defeating behavior. And if we don't learn how to think about these things spiritually, this is the whole point of the uh, class we're starting next step, thinking about all the problems, circumstances, challenges of our life, rather than thinking of them carnally, which we are good at, making our little to-do lists and thinking, oh, I gotta do better, I gotta try harder, oh, I've gotta hold my mouth right. Instead of that, thinking about it spiritually. What is it doing? Where am I missing it? And what change changes everything? Thinking about worry spiritually, not as personal life advice, not as self-help, but thinking about worry spiritually should tell me that I am failing at worship because when I fill myself with God's greatness, I fill my being with his goodness, it begins to take up room and there's just not as much room when I fill my life with worship. All right, real quick, stay with me. I'm trying not to preach long today, but maybe it's not your lucky day. We'll see. Um, What did Jesus preach about more than anything else in the recorded sermon we have of Jesus? We actually have a fairly extensive, well-recorded sermon of Jesus. We call it uh, the guy doing uh, praise and worship that day. He he, he wasn't creative. He wasn't rested. And the only title he could come up with was Sermon on the Mount because they were on a mountain. Uh, Surely we could do better as a sermon title than that, right? This is a recorded, full recorded message of Jesus. What does he spend more time talking about than any other subject? Teach us to pray. So let me say to all of you guys, if you don't make time for prayer, there won't be prayer. The secret to prayer is time. If you make time for prayer, prayer is easy. If you don't make time, prayer feels impossible. How are you doing making time to pray? He preached about this more than he talked more. Add up his sentences, add it up. More about how to pray than any other subject. What was the second most talked about subject in the Sermon on the Mount? It was stop living a life of worry. He talks more about worry as the opposite of the God-ordained, spiritually intentional life than any other subject. He points out that worry in some way is the anti-spiritual life of spiritual life. And what's amazing is us religious people excel at it. We worry more than the sinners. At least the sinners know how to go out and have a good time. 
We sit in the house and chew our fingernails to the elbow and forget that we are doing the opposite of what real spiritual life looks like. Jesus said, verse 25 of Matthew 6, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And why worry about clothes? Look at the lilies of the field. They don't worry about theirs, yet King Solomon and all his glory was never clothed as beautifully as they. Oh, he has more to say. Who of you, by worrying, can add one single hour to your life? And since he is still talking about the subject, getting rather long-winded, if you know what I'm saying, if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? Oh, you of little faith. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Oh, you of little faith. I do not do a good job at fulfilling a negative. Don't worry. I will worry about whether I have been worrying too much. There's a melancholy person here that's probably writing that down right now. They're like, that's good, that's good. I will worry about worrying too much. And honestly, the most religious people I've ever known in my life, I'm talking about the people so holy, when they walk, their feet don't touch the ground. They struggle with worry. They struggle with worry. This preacher struggles with worry. And I tell myself not to worry. That's not the way. Rather than leaving empty space in my heart, I fill it with worship. So uh, now let's get to more instruction. This is the Apostle Paul. Never worry about anything. Thanks. That, that's, that's easy to do. Instead, in every situation, let God know what you need in your prayers and your requests. Ask God. Simply ask God. Uh, James writes, if you do not have, it's because you do not ask God. Paul, again, Romans 8, since God did not spare his, uh, even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he who gave us Christ also give us everything? thing we need. I can't turn worry off unless I fill the empty space within my soul with something. Just like a person who is left in the emptiness of their thoughts and they say, man, I've got to fill this moment with something. I can't just be here in this emptiness. I am an empty vessel and I feel this need to pursue something, to seek something, to desire something. Surely there's something around here to worship. Surely there's something around here to believe in. Surely there's a political party I can join while I'm stuck in this emptiness. Surely there's a celebrity I can live an idealized life through while I'm in this moment. Surely a better car. Surely a better house. Pursue, pursue, pursue. Why are you running so fast? And truthfully, you have to say, because there's nothing here and there's nothing here and I've got to get to something as fast as I can. I've got to get somewhere as fast as I can. I've got to experience something as fast as I can. And it is our fallen nature testifying, you were not created to worship you. You will always find yourself wanting. 
and you will always run like a frantic child chasing the ice cream truck. How many of you still get a little hungry when you hear this ice cream truck come through the neighborhood? I'm still a little irritated that I didn't have enough money when I was a kid to get ice cream. And when I see the ice cream truck, there's something in me that wants to just stop and buy everything in an ice cream truck and just go door to door and give it away. We will always chase after the ice cream truck because there's just not enough here to make life make sense. So even the atheist says, I don't believe in God, but I do believe in that God-shaped hole inside. And I want to say back to him, okay, you don't believe in God, but you sure do miss him. There's something better than missing God. And that's admitting that I am an empty vessel. And I was created to be filled with something bigger than me. And in the absence of that surrender to his hallowedness, surrender to his accomplishment, that worship that should flow up within me, where I lose my self-deceptions and I quit lying to myself. Your greatest enemy is not your enemies. Your greatest enemy is your, the lies you tell yourself and believe. And it keeps you from God. It keeps you from authentic spiritual wholeness, the lies you tell yourself. Worship is not praise. Everybody can praise. Unbelievers can praise. You know, we sing songs written by some of the biggest reprobates who've ever lived. We do. Start looking at the life stories of people who wrote good worship songs. Why do we sing it? Because when we sing it together, it starts as praise. And the Bible's clear. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. That means you, your cousin, your creepy uncle. Everybody has a creepy uncle. Everything should praise the Lord. Let the trees of the field praise the Lord. Let the birds in the air praise the Lord. Let everything that you don't have to be right to praise God. You don't have to be perfect. Aren't you glad? That's why this church is uh, welcoming you, you know? That's why I'm the pastor. You don't have to be perfect to praise God. But if you want to take the next step where it's not about doing something with other people, you're not singing because the worship team's singing, uh, you're not saying amen because the pastor's asking to say amen, it is welling up within you. The only way that happens, Jesus says, spirit and truth. And more, he says, God is seeking such. I come into your presence with zeal. That's small s spirit, not Holy Spirit. That's not God doing the work. That's you saying, I am here and I'm hungry, oh God. I want to know you. And truth, not capital T truth, lowercase truth. I'm not here to tell you lies. I'm not here to make excuses with myself. I am humbly in this place and I need you. I am not enough in myself. I am, when you turn into a worshiper, all of a sudden heaven comes to earth. Musicians come, I'm gonna try to quit. I've got more to say. Worship should be more than an accounting of what God has done for you. That's Thanksgiving. Worship is not about what God has done for you lately. Uh, Worship is about the character of God. 
And he is holy whether or not you are. <laughs> I worship him because of who he is. It folks upon uh, character of God. Yes, thanksgiving is part of it. And we cultivate thanksgiving as a way of entering into worship. Thanksgiving is a door we step through that we might in praise come together and finally forget about anything but the presence of God and be true worshipers. So I want you to focus on God's promises. Amen. I want you to focus on God's character. You don't need to just count up what God's done for you lately. He is good all the time. In this life, I will have troubles and tribulations. God is still good all the time. I cultivate thankfulness as a spiritual discipline. You know how the preacher's always saying you're supposed to pray more, and you're like, my God, when do I have time to pray? And then the preacher's like, we need to go on a fast. You're like, my God, what do I have to go on a fast for? God can't be in fasting. Do you realize Thanksgiving is just as much a spiritual discipline as prayer? Just as much a spiritual discipline as fasting? I, I want you to prioritize worshiping with other people. The church makes us whole. All of us are incomplete. Paul teaches this as the way we are brought together. I want you to cultivate worshiping with other people. Psalms 122 and 1. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Surrender your life to God. Quit saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But say instead, if God wills it, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And finally, I want you to learn how to sing. Now, I know you can't sing as good as I can. I know it is a burden in your life that you can't sing as good as P-Nate. I know that I want you to know you need to learn how to sing because if there's one lesson you learn in the scripture, when you're really, really needing a breakthrough, you need to learn how to sing of God's character and sing of God's promise and sing of God's presence. You need to learn how to stand in the quiet weight of your own trouble and say, I love him. I love him because he first. I know I can't hit the high note. I wasn't singing it for you. Loved me and purchased salvation on Are you tired? Get a song. I've rocked more than one baby while they cried because of colic. You know it's the you know it's bad when the women start handing them to you. When the woman has had all she can take, you know it's bad. And they walk and they have that look in their face and they have not made themselves pretty for you. And they take that baby and they put him right in your arms and they say, here it is, your turn. That, that's, that's, how many of you men know what I'm talking about? Your turn. You know what I've done every single time I had one of those babies? I walked around the house singing this song. I don't know why. It's my baby song. Are you ready for this? If we ever needed the Lord before, sure do need him now. Oh, we sure do need him now. Oh, Lord, we sure do need him now. If we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. We need him every day and every What is your song? 
I've been crying all night long. Okay, what's your song? It can be a bad song, but baby, you need a song. I have been mad and fussing and cussing for two days. Okay, it can be a mad song, but you need a song. But let me, let me wrap it all up. I want you to get this. If I leave myself empty, my life will always feel like I'm chasing something. I'm not enough. I'm not happy with what I have. I'm not satisfied. I'm, there's got to be something more. I'm pursuing something. All right. If you do these things, you will experience God's peace which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand, his peace will keep your thoughts quiet and your heart at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. So what am I saying? I'm not enough for me. He's all I need. He's what I need. I can't turn the worry off, but I can turn the worship on. Stand with me all across the house. I've preached to some people here today. And I know this is a pastoral kind of message, and it's like one of those oh me messages, you know. Uh, but, But hear me today. This is how you live out God's purpose in your life, which is to be an overcomer. This is living out the life of an overcomer. This is what it looks like. I turn on the worship. I feel the space with something else. God, we make a decision here today as a group of believers that we will fill our lives with worship. We will fill our hearts with worship. All of the pain we cannot solve and all of the sorrow we cannot seem to mute, we will cover it with praise and worship and see how you heal that which we cannot correct and how you solve that which we cannot comprehend. And so we exalt you in this house here today and we commit ourselves to you here today in Jesus' name. Let me do something here just... If, I, if I've preached to you here today, every head bowed, if, if I've really got down to where you live and preached to you, would you, would you just kind of raise your hand in the presence of God? There's so many of you, there's so many of you have preached to you here today. I want to tell you first, I preached to me too, so let's pray together right now. Oh God, I pray for every individual that's in this house. We are all seeking to walk closer to you. We are all seeking to know you. We are far from perfect. We are very incomplete in ourselves, but we are seeking to know you today, and we are turning on the adoration of our souls. We are turning on the praise and worship of our minds. We are feeling the emptiness of us with your presence. We are praising you. You inhabit the praises of your people. And so as we praise you, your spirit begins to hover over the chaos of our life, just like your spirit hovered over the waters of chaos in creation. Your spirit hovers over our life. And there, filled with your presence, we are given the opportunity not just to live a negative life of trying to fill ourselves, but rather we are filled with your presence and we live as worshipers. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. 
I'm going to open this front up right now, and I'd like to invite all of you who will to step out of the chair you're in. I'd like you to come and stand down, how, or at least stand into an aisle. Uh, if you don't want to do that, maybe there's someone nearby and it's appropriate and you're comfortable. Why don't you take their hand or put a hand on their shoulder? We are praying for a victorious life here today. We are praying that we as believers would have life and life more abundantly. God called you for something higher, something greater than living and suffering and worry and struggle. And I speak the healing of God into your heart here today. Come on, church, right now. Let's turn this whole house into a prayer service. Hallelujah. So we'll dance in your presence until 
So, so it's really easy for us to acknowledge things we need to do, leave the church, have a good meal, and that's the end of that. So I want to ask you to make a declaration before we go our many different ways. We have first steps after this, and we're excited about getting to meet you and creating that space so you get to know us and all that. But before we do that, I want to ask you to make a declaration. And I want you to say it to yourself. And if you're with your spouse or you're with your family, I want them to hear you say it, (laughs) if at all possible. And it's not awkward. What are you going to lay before the Lord this week? I don't want you just to say, oh, I'm going to do better. No, no, no. I've got 52 years of saying I'm going to do better. What am I going to lay before the Lord this week? Let's just pause here for a moment. Lord, quicken to our heart what's killing our faith. Don't let us be spiritual imbeciles and exhibit self-defeating spiritual behavior and then wonder why every Sunday we need a pick-me-up instead of a feeling of purpose, anointing, and calling. What's stabbing the young faith, the growing purpose within us? What is wounding? What worry defeats me? What are you going to lay before the Lord, church? Our guests, our friends, thank you for worshiping with us. Come on, this is your challenge. What this week are you going to lay before the Lord? I know I have you on the hook right now, but this is old school preacher style here. I got you on the hook, and now I'm going to let you dang. What are you going to lay before the Lord this week? What is it? I've got mine. Do you have yours? First, we're going to make a prayer of surrender. Then we're going to make a declaration. Are you ready for this? Here's your prayer of surrender. You can follow my lead, but use your words. Don't just observe as though it's an event. God save us from event-based church. Lord Jesus, you know the source of so much fear and self-defeating spiritual behavior in my life. You know what it is, Lord. I lay it before you as an offering. I don't know if I can do the rest of my life. I think I might have to fight it again and lay it again, but this week I'm laying this before you. I make an offering of it. If I could fix it, it'd already be fixed. So I'm laying it before you. If I had a solution, it'd already be done, but I'm laying it before you. And I'm saying you're better at dealing with this than I am. You know the end from the beginning, and I just have a bunch of theories that change with experience. I give this to you in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to declare. I'm going to say it. I want you to repeat it back to me. I have been ruled. Say it back to me. I've been ruled too long by fear, by doubt, and by worry. Today, I declare that God is better suited to deal with this problem than I am. And today, I declare, at least for this week, every 
every time I worry, I'm going to stop and worship. I declare that this week will be a week of worship and not worry in Jesus' name. Now lift your voices all across the house and give God a shout of triumph. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.